Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. The old people used to sing, and I'm not going to sing this, sing this song at all, but they had a song called Take Me Back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to where I first believed. Can I ask you a question? What happened to you? Here's a, here's a better question. Where did you leave the love that you first received? You know, there's a, a text here in, in Revelations. I won't be too long. Just a couple hours and we'll get out your way. Yep, just a couple hours. Uh, Revelations chapter 2. Revelations chapter 2, 1 through five. If you have your handouts, you'll see the scripture there. And there are five uh, points in in particular that we'll touch as it pertains to how to get that love back rekindled. Um, But it's Revelation chapter two. I'll be reading from the Passion Translation, the Passion Translation. And this is what it says. I know all that you have done for me. Let's listen to this. I know all that you have done for me. You have worked hard and persevered. I know that you did that you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles and and proved that they were not, for they are imposters. I also know that you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name. Yet you have not become discouraged after all of that. Verse four, he says, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Think about how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works of love you did at first. He says, I will come to you and remove your lampstand in this place of influence if you do not repent. Hmm. So you have to understand at this time, they at this church at Ephesus, they were weeding out through false doctrines, false teaching. People were coming in. They were protecting the faith. They were guarding. They were, they were defending the faith. All these people, as you heard in the text, you say, hey, you've done well in protecting. You've done well at building policies. You've done well at strategizing. You've done well at building your business. You've done well at putting implementation into your business. You've done well at setting guidelines. You've done well showing up on Sundays. You've done a phenomenal job showing up on Wednesdays. You've done a great job praying sometimes. Sometimes you've done a great job in giving in your offering. You've done a great job in building the church but there's one problem you've done it and you stop loving me in the process somehow some way you stopped working with me and you only started working for me you've left this the area of partnership and now you just became a slave and I don't do slaves I believe he doesn't do slaves He said, you built the church, you built organizations, which is phenomenal. You created structures, you created systems. You are an entrepreneur, you're doing phenomenal. You're going after your dreams, but at some point, you left me behind. At some point, you began to take the vision that we created together. I'm only trying to paint this picture to you that he's a feeling God, and he has feelings, and he said, some way, somewhere along the line, you dropped me. For a vision that I gave you and you will keep it with me, but somehow you left me in the dust. 
He says, I have a problem with you because you have abandoned your first love. My question is, where did you leave the love that you started with? Normally, when you ask a question, if you take a couple seconds to pause, you can probably trace as to the space of where you start abandoning the love for the desire in your own heart. Where did you leave it? What was the last relationship you left it in? What was the last endeavor you left it in? See, it's a lot of times as Christians, we can think just because we're doing something so beautiful for God that he's a part of it. And I can tell you that's not always the case. That's why when you read in the text, he says, I, I don't just have a problem with you when we get to the gates and we're looking through the names and we're telling people, hey, where's my name? Where's my name? And they're like, can you say your name again? My name is Isaiah. Okay, let me look. I-S-I. It's not the way that they spell it in the Bible. It is the way my mom spelled it. I-S-I-A. Last name Williams, W-I-L. See, I don't have your name here. Why don't you? I was a Christian. I cast out devils in your name. I lay hands on the sick. But he still said, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. You know why? Because you started doing things for him and not from him. And there was no relationship anymore. There was no heart connection anymore. You just did things out of dead works. But can I tell you, God is not just interested in growing an establishment. He's interested in creating intimacy with you. It's intimacy that grows and increases our capacity for growth. But a lot of times we just feel, you know what? God's given me this vision. He's given me this goal. He's given me this church. He's given me this business. Now I can do it all without him. Can I tell you something? You can never finish building something in the flesh that started in the spirit. You do not have the bandwidth. You do not have the capacity. You're going to cry a lot. You're going to be sad a lot. You're going to be frustrated a lot. And the funny part is we're crying. We're sad because we think that we've aban- that he's abandoned us. But can I tell you? No, we have abandoned. Thank you for helping me preach this morning. You have abandoned him. We've left our first love. And he goes on to say, you need to repent and do the works of the love. That you started with the first time. Repenting is just not because you've done something so horrible. Most Christians believe that repentance is for the unbeliever. We think that it's only for people who never known Jesus so they can come to Jesus. But can I tell you, repentance is a lifeline for the believer. Every day you should find yourself in some space in your life saying, God, forgive me today. It reconnects us back with the Father. It draws us back to deep intimacy with Him. And that's what He's longing for. He's looking for intimacy with Him to continue to do the works that He's called us to do. We need to get back to the beginning. We need to get back to the basics. Somehow, listen to this, our teaching realm has become greater than our heart capacity. Somehow we are in this era of getting all the knowledge, all the information. That's why you got a whole lot of big head Christians. Come on, somebody. We got a whole lot of people that want information. I want more. I want more. Give me school. I'm not against school because I've gone just for a little bit. I'm not against theologians. I'm not against theology. But the problem is you have a lot of theologians and the people that understand the content, the text of the scripture with no anointing, with no authority and no power. 
You have a lot of theologians, you have a lot of people who understand scripture as it pertains to what they did then, but they have no clue as to what he can do right now. If he did it before, can I tell you, he can do it again. If you continue to read the Bible as if it's a history book, that's up to you. But I choose to believe that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and then we beheld the glory. If you're not beholding glory, that's because you don't believe that the word is in the flesh and it's walking among you. Where did you leave it? I believe that today, in this short time that I have with you, that a spirit of breakthrough, I pray, will come upon your people. And not just a random breakthrough, but a breakthrough that will restore the childlike faith that we used to have. That a spirit of breakthrough will come through this house, will come through the people of God that will increase the childlike faith that we once had when we became the Christians the first time. You remember what it was like when you first received Christ? For some of you, it was a couple days ago. For some of us, it was a couple years ago. For the greater people, it was some time ago. Mothers and fathers in the faith, but take a second online and just remember to the, the moment. Some of you can remember the pew that you were sitting in, the seat that you were sitting in, the song that was being sung, the person who was singing the song, the temperature in the room, what you felt in your heart, your heart racing, your, your leg was moving. I can remember from the first time I received Christ, I was in the middle of the service. It was New Year's Eve and I was sitting in the back of the church. And before the preacher even started preaching, I started walking to the front because something was pulling me. My leg started to shake. My heart was beating uncontrollably. He didn't even go into the introduction of his message. I just found myself in the altar and he asked me what I wanted. I said, I have no clue. It was an out-of-body experience. I was walking. I didn't even know how did I even get in the middle of the aisle. What's happening right now? And he asked me, what do you want? I said, I don't know. I was crying uncontrollably. All I knew was something gripped my heart. Something gripped my spirit. And a love that I never felt before was completely overwhelming me at that point. And before I knew it, before the sermon even started to be preached, I gave my life to Jesus. I got filled with the Holy Spirit right on sight. I spoke in tongues right away. And the things that I used to do, I can't get no help in here. I didn't do any more because I was gripped by the love of Jesus. Maybe you have never left your first love before. I know I have. I know I've walked away. I haven't backslidden, but I've walked away from some teaching sometime. I've got ahead of God. I've abandoned him. Ah, maybe I'm by myself. I've walked away from some things. I've got involved in some things that I know I shouldn't have got involved in. I strayed away from some things as I was still serving in the house of God. This sermon, this text is not for an unbeliever. He's talking to Christians. Let me help you, Christian. If you think that you can get out of this text, you cannot. He's talking to everybody who's confessed Jesus as the Lord of their life. He says, I have a problem with you because you have lost and abandoned your first love. How many Christians do we have here? Raise your hand. Don't be afraid now. Somewhere along the line, at some point in our lives, we have abandoned our first love. He says, stop being so hungry. To receive teachings. How do we start losing our first love? Because we get so enamored with teachings and we forget about the spirit of God. Because it's not the teaching that keeps you. 
It's not the, just the words on this page that keeps you because you can read this book and not be changed at all. But it's the love from the Father and through the Holy Spirit that pastor's been teaching on that grips our heart and begins to change our lives. The Holy Spirit is what changes us. And I tell you this, a lot of us in this room need to die today. I'm not talking about... I can take this off because it's not going to work. I can, I can do a handheld mic because it's not going to work. And I'm not talking. I'm not referring to just a physical death. I'm talking about a death to yourself. You know why? Because you can only live where you begin to die. An area that you have not died in is an area that you can find that there's no first love there. An area that you're believing a lie in is an area that you can find no first love. Because if you're believing a lie, you can't believe the truth at the same time. It's a place of surrender where we find the greatest breakthrough. I'm asking you, where in your life do you need to completely surrender to God? I'm not just referring to sin. It can be that you've given too much time to that business. You've given too much time to overtime. You made God your job. Mm. Should I move on? No, I should not. You've made God overtime. You've built your life on a resource. I'm going to stay right there. You built your life on a resource when it was only on a, and you made it a source when that is not your source. He is your source. I understand that today the big word that's being thrown around in our culture is maturity. I want you, you don't want you to be spiritually mature. And I agree with it. I believe in maturity. But when that is the main idea, can I tell you something about maturity? The problem that God has with maturity is that you become impressed with your own growth. The problem with knowing so much, that's why he speaks of being, being puffed up with pride. I know this. I know that. I know this. You know that. But you don't know nothing. You can know so much, but if you know so much, why are you never moved when the presence of God comes into a place? Because you don't have relationship with the presence. You have an understanding of the principles, but you made the principle of God and a presence a subsidiary of that. But give me presence any day. Give me presence with a few principles and I can believe that God can move mountains in my life. I want to challenge you that you need to get back to the first love. Keep defending the faith. You know, they have this saying here. If you want to know how popular a church is, look at the attendance on a Sunday. If you want to know how popular a pastor or a person is, look at the attendance on a Sunday night. This is where you're going to shout me down real good right here. You ready? Hold on. You ready? Online. Hold on. If you want to know how loved and how popular God is, look at the attendance on a prayer night. Oh, I can't get no help. You don't, you don't clap for me now. If you want to see how popular service is on Sunday morning, come and see. If you want to see about a man, come on a Sunday night. But if you want to see where the real power is manifested and you see what the real DNA of a church is, and if people really love God, and if people really love his presence, come on a Monday night. 
What is it saying? That people don't come on Monday night. What is this insinuating? That people don't have intimacy with the Father. That's what it's telling you. I'm not speaking about people if you, can, if you can't make it, if you don't have the transportation, if you don't have this, if you don't have that. I'm speaking to people that when you get an opportunity, you're off, but you have a 30-minute window and you say, I just got off of work. I'm tired. I'm tired. I haven't eaten. I've been working all day. And you pass by the church. You pass by the church to get home. And for your own sake of conviction, you don't even look that way. You just. Nope. Nope. But we still cry and we weep over the things that's not moving in our life. But you're waiting on God to move things when he's giving you the power to move them. Yourself. He's sitting with his arms folded. He can't even dispatch angels because you, you won't even do anything. We're talking first love. We're, we're talking intimacy with the father. We're talking about when he nudges you at nighttime and when he wakes you up in the morning, but you're tired and you don't have much to say, but you still get up and say, Lord, I don't really know what to say, but I'm here. I don't really know what words to utter this morning, but I'm here. Understanding that we are not changed by how much we love him. Our lives are completely changed by his love for us. But at some point in our Christian walk, I feel that we sometimes hit a juncture where we feel like he should have died for me. He should have died for my sins. Who else was going to do it? The church should be happy that I'm coming. They should be happy that I'm arriving. They should be happy that I serve whenever I serve. But if you were in love with Jesus, that would not be your language. You can tell a way at how much a person is in love with Jesus by the language that they have. Talk to them long enough, you'll see. You know, we used to do this. We don't do that anymore. Oh, we used to. I remember... 85 years ago, we used to have this. Oh, we used to just, oh, we just, oh, we're not there anymore. But that shows where you are. I'm asking us today, what happened to the child in you? What happened to the pretender in you? Not the faker, but the person who pretends. God is after curating that childlike faith. I told you before, when I was younger, I had an imaginary friend. You can judge me, but some of you did too. My imaginary friend, his name was Mr. Periwinkle. Mr. Periwinkle had a seat wherever I had a seat. If you tried to sit down, I said, wait, wait, don't sit there. Mr. Periwinkle, he's right there. Oh, don't go there. This, he's, he's in a seatbelt. <laughs> he's safe. But at some point, the older we get, it's cute at a certain level to imagine. It's cute at a certain level to dream. When you start getting in elementary school and middle school, you start hearing the word potential. 
after when you get in high school a little bit, they say, oh, this kid has some potential. I used to hear it all the time. This guy has potential. He talks too much. He has a lot of potential, though. He's a distraction to everybody around him. He has potential, though. After you graduate from high school, potential is no longer a word in people's vocabulary towards you. You know what they say? You better get a job. You better do something. I don't know what you're going to do with your life. At some point, you begin to stop dreaming and imagining, and God is after your imagination again. God is trying to redeem the imagination that you've been told to leave behind. That's why you're scared to be a child, because you don't want to get your expectation too high to believe her for something, and then you feel like you get let down. You're talking about having a revival culture? Start dreaming. You're talking about having a revival culture? Start believing God for things you can't see. You start talking, you're trying to have a revival. Look at the worship team. They weren't here before. God is growing things that we have not yet seen before. He's releasing a new love on the body of Christ. But we have to begin to attain those things and walk in a level of first love that we've never had before. You remember when you got to church, when you first became a Christian, you couldn't tell you to be quiet. When your song came on, and we all had a song, because we didn't know many songs if you weren't raised in church, but you knew the one song that you really liked, are they playing my song today? But as we grow and mature, somewhere along the line, we feel like we shouldn't worship like we did when we first received him, that we should mature in our worship. I don't want to mature in my worship. If I want to run around here, I want to run around here. If I knew how to do a backfield, Pastor Steve, online, I would do it, but I'm not. But some people have become too enamored with their own maturity. Oh, I'm just going to worship here. I'm good. I'm just going to leap, cup my hands like this and pray that all of heaven will fall into my little pocket right here. The problem with not being completely in love with Jesus, that you become completely in love with yourself and too concerned about what the people around you think about you. When was the last time you really gave it all in worship? When was the last time you completely abandoned yourself in the presence of God in a corporate setting? When was the last time you just cried out to Jesus as loud as you could and didn't give a care who said anything about you? When was the last time? You know, when I first became a Christian, I was wild. I mean, I was wild. Now, I've grown a little bit in the place of I understand that some of the things I was doing was just crazy. So I know like, I can't like run and jump on uh, 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 somebody's shoulders and raise myself up like, like, woo, like I can't do that. Everybody can't handle this weight. It's a big body truck. <laughs> but I'm saying the childlike that God wants to do, listen, you have to be able to imagine and love something and depend on somebody so much to be able to do all the things that God is putting in your spirit. 
If we're getting ready to take a city, please hear my language because it has changed. If we're taking, when we get ready to take this city and we get ready to take the cities that are all up and down our 10 and we're playing churches all over the city of Tel and all over the surrounding city. Listen, can you not begin to see what God is getting ready to do? There has to be a child somewhere in you that believes for the impossible. There has to be a child in you as somewhere in you to connect you to somebody that you've never seen. I'm asking, where did you leave the love that you abandoned? Where did you leave it? Where? Where, where did you leave? Maybe you got into a relationship that you know you shouldn't have been in. I won't stay right here too long because I know people. And anytime you get into a relationship that is ungodly, it begins to take you away from godly activities. It begins to take you away from reading time, community time, relationship time, because now you've been so engrossed in another God. We've all lost our first love somewhere. Maybe you've been offended and you've lost your first love in that space because Christians, we really enjoy being offended. I am convinced. I mean, we really enjoy saying, I don't like them. They did this. They did that. They did this. I don't want to go back to a church anymore. They're hypocrites. That don't stop you from going to fast food restaurants, do it. That don't stop you from going shopping, huh? It's hypocrites everywhere. But you don't want to come to church because it's hypocrites. You know why you don't want to come here? Because you don't feel like it's supposed to be hypocrites here. Why? Because we've turned ourselves to some superhuman community where we can't even make mistakes. You know whose fault is that? That's our fault. Because we created this persona to say that we're better than you. I'm no better than you. I'm no better than you. I've walked through fires in life. I've walked through challenges in life. But at the end of the day, I understand that my childlike faith connects me back to the place of repentance so I can get back reconnected to where God wants me to be. Listen to this. There's a song here. Um, Haley, you can come back and begin to play. They, they, they sang this song. It was called, it's called Move Your Heart. And I really want you to capture the words of this song. It says, Jesus, Jesus, precious Lord, none on the earth nor heavens above that I have found more beautiful. You are my treasure, my great reward. And I just want to move your heart. Listen to this. It's all I want to do. I just want to stand in awe and pour my love on you no matter how much it costs. I freely give it all to you, Lord, to you. And it says, my offering, all my ambitions, all my hopes, my dreams, and here's my life, Lord, a sacrifice. Oh, and it's just here to bless you. I just want to move your heart. You're saying about being in love and being connected. How about you give him your ambition? You say, Lord, if this is really what you want me to do, I don't care. Here is yours. If you want me to do it, I'm willing to submit my dream. I'm willing to submit my ambition. I'm willing to submit my desires, my affection. And if I do it, I do it. If I don't, I don't. But I love you so much, I'm going to give it to you. I love everything about you. And regardless of what you're asking me to give you, I am going to 
give it to you. It says, is it a fragrance? They're asking a question. If this is a fragrance you're asking me for, he was like, fine, I'll pour my oil out. Is it a life laid down? Is that what you want? You want me to lay my life down? Then here I give my vows. Is it a song I sing? Here is the melody. Just tell me what moves you. Whatever you want me to do, tell me what makes you happy. Tell me what makes you smile. Tell me what provokes you to move on my behalf. Tell me what must you move in my life. Whatever you're asking me to do, he's saying, just tell me what moves you. Tell me what makes you happy. I'll do it regardless of what it is. I don't care how much I know anymore. I just care how much you're in my heart. Today I'm asking you, where did you leave your first love? Because I guarantee you we've left it somewhere. But he's saying, all we have to do is repent of that. What does repentance mean? To change your mind. To change what you're thinking about. And he says, just in the songs like, is it a fragrance? Whatever it is, I'll pour it out. Is it, is it a life laid down? Whatever, I, I'll, right here, if that's the case, I'll give you my vows. Is it a song I sing? Is it a melody? Just tell me what moves you. It's intimacy with God. You want miracles to break out in a room? Love on him. I've seen tumors fall off of people. I've seen blinded eyes in meetings, in one meeting. I've seen numb faces healed. I've seen cancer restored in meetings. And all we did was sing to Jesus. All we did was fix our eyes and our gaze on Jesus. Nobody laid hands on anybody. Nobody touched anybody. All we begin to hear in the stadium was people screaming and hollering because tumors were laying at the ground where they stood. All because we were singing to the one. Our affections was completely on him. It wasn't about a word. It wasn't about a scripture. It was about the scripture made flesh. And we made him the main idea in the room. You want to move of God, focus on him. You want to see a world shaken? Love on him. That's why it says, seek me, Matthew 6.33. Seek me first. And everything else I'll take care of. When he becomes the chandelier in the room. Can you imagine walking in a room and there was a chandelier right in the middle? Your eyes would automatically be drawn to it. Your eyes would automatically be fixed on it. Why? Because it's the most beautiful thing in the room. When was the last time you just laid out and wept in his presence because he was good? Not because something was wrong, not because your world was crashing down, just because he was good. When was the last time you just opened your heart and told him to fill you up with his goodness? You know, I make no apologies for me being passionate about Jesus because I know what he saved me from. Here it is. I know what he continues to save me from. I know where my life should have gone and I know where it is now. And it was nothing but the grace of God for me to be in the space that I'm in now because I love him and I recognize his love. 
from me. Here it is. You got it wrote in your, your bulletin. There's five ways here that you can curate your love and just receive it. Take the bullet at home, but hear what I'm saying. Number one, consider Christ and his love. Consider the sacrifice that he made for you. Consider him dying on the cross for your sins. Consider how great his love is for you. Number two, believe Christ's love. He died, but you have to believe that that was personal. It was for you. Number three, pray to experience his love. One of the greatest moves of the spirit that I've ever had was a love baptism, and I can't even really describe it. I was sitting in a meeting in Orlando, Florida, and I was probably two rows in, and everybody was getting touched and everybody was doing these and I said Lord there's too many people I can't get in the front and I don't even feel like trying to get in the front I said Lord I just need you to love on me and I lifted my hands and I closed my eyes and the warmest presence came over me and I began to weep like a child as I am now and the Holy Spirit began to hover over me as I believe he did in Genesis and something was birthed inside of me the same way that he did with Mary. But you have to ask him. You have to ask him in a window like this to, Lord, give me a love baptism. Because if you can have a, you can build all this, but if your love walk is nothing. If you don't love people, then how can you say you love him? It's the love of Christ <laughs> that helps us understand principles, that helps us get church. It is the love of Christ that really matters. Number four, kindle your love for Christ, from Christ's love for you. Kindle your love based on the knowing of what he did for you. Continue to curate that. Number five. Let your love begin to burn for Christ. Stand on your feet all over here. I believe and it feels like the same environment that I was in, in Orlando. Pastor Steve's been talking about the Holy Spirit and we're going to dive deep more into those conversations. But I want you all to lift your hands in this, in, in this building here. Some of you don't need another sermon. Some of you don't need another scripture. But I believe that there are people in this room, if you would allow him and if you would ask for it, just say, Lord, I need you to mess me up today and I need you to just pour your love on me because I'm in some, I mean, maybe you're in a space right now and you just really need the love of the Father to wash over you. This is not a head thing. This is a hard thing. Because if you hear this and you receive this with your hand, it'll just be information because you don't even understand it. You'll say, why is he weeping? Why is he crying? Why is he so emotional? Listen, I don't care what you're talking about. You cannot be with Jesus and not be emotional. People say it's emotionalism. I'm emotional because Jesus died on the cross for every sin that I should have, that I deserve. If that don't make you emotional, nothing will. Apart from his, you deserve death. Hell 
was our portion, but because Jesus, eternity's past, stepped into our future and died on the cross, we can now, we can now become called sons and daughters. Some of you, I don't care if you got an addiction, it needs to be loved away. Listen, I've, I've seen people experience great breakthrough by not laying hands of a man, but to be embodied by the presence of the Holy Spirit on a man's life and walk up here with an addiction and walk back free as can be. I'm saying it is the love of Jesus. If it's a fragrance. I'll pour my oil out. If it's a life laid down, I'll, today. He said, Church of Ephesus, you need to repent. You need to get back to your first love. This is just not for, this is not just for anybody. This is for everybody. And I even believe, and I'll feel, I feel the grace to say, I want you to receive this with your heart, not with your hand. That some people you experience mental, uh, mental health challenges. You've been getting medicine after medicine, depression, medicine after medicine, thing after thing, walking through anxiety after anxiety, trouble after trouble, one thing after another thing. And you're like, why can't I kick this? Why can't I get this off of me? Because you need a love baptism. You need to encounter the love of the Holy Spirit and let him wash over you. And I believe that mental situation that you're walking through, I've seen it done before. He will deliver you in the moments. So this is what I urge you to do. This is not for one person. This is not for two people. This is for every person in this building. I want you to walk down to this altar. You stand at this altar and we're going to stand here together. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to give us a love baptism. So whoever, whoever starts the trail, whoever starts the walk, and I believe from this point as we all have, we've been going from faith to faith and glory to glory. We've been going from faith to faith and glory to glory. But right now we're going to go back and get that first love and we're going to take us back to the pew that we were sitting on to when we first said yes to him. He's going to take us back to the first service that we were sitting in and he's going to begin to minister to us from that space he's going to take us back to the first time that we said yes to him the first time that we were gathering in the tent that you may have been under or the church you're going to feel the, the precipitation of the night you're going to feel what the temperature was like and you're going to remember what it was like to encounter him for the first time this is the god that's getting ready to encounter you lift your hands all over And just take a couple of seconds and just begin to repent. Let's clear our hearts out. Because the church of Ephesus, he said, hey, we, you got to repent. And we got to get back to where we got to get back to. He's not after your head. He's after your heart. You made it to the end of the message. And now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 1030 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. 
For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.